0: Knockout Ginger, episode 18 with Tara Kanagera. Trumpet player, composer, band leader, podcaster, an absolute force. We get into some shit. Some goofy shit, some serious shit. A little bit of Chris Pruden sprinkled in there. Uh, thanks for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters.
1: This is why you're an interesting interview by these long pauses. Yeah. They're so great. I
0: edit them out.
1: No, yeah. there must be a lot because there are still pauses.
0: Yeah. I edit, I edit the bad ones out.
1: Like the ones that are like, there's something wrong. He died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's dead uh
0: I actually haven't had one of these like controlled space podcasts in a while I don't think oh yeah grieve oh yeah that was an easy edit but like some of the ones I've been doing recently have just been like you can hear the cars on the street louder (laughs) than louder than we're talking and like driving in a car and like
1: what makes a good guest do you think
0: I don't know uh this you interviewing me
1: oh yeah conversation (laughs) conversation styles yeah
0: uh uh, i'm not sure what makes a good guest i know what makes a fun guest Mm. but generally speaking the fun guests turn into super long episodes where i have to cut a lot of shit out yeah so yeah it's
1: i don't know it, uh, there, yeah, there's good versus fun, because I guess good would mean many people want to listen to it. Fun is maybe fun for the people participating in it. Yeah. What makes a good guest? Uh so you know what's funny is I'm a huge fan of talk shows. Huge.
0: Uh like what? What's an example?
1: Uh radio talk shows or um like late night talk shows from I would say Because the format's changed over Mm -hmm. the years, but from the 90s and older, like Dick Cavett, Tom Snyder. That's Mm like 80s, 70s styles. Yeah. Um, I love David Letterman.
0: Yeah. I think I stopped watching when Letterman stopped.
1: Yeah. There's like a point where he decided that he was phoning it in. He talks about it openly. Yeah. Yeah. It's... A talk show is interesting because it's a confluence of I'm going to promote, this person needs to promote their stuff mm. and like found moments. Like stories that are produced, obviously, what happens is they go to a producer and are like, tell us five stories that's interesting for us to talk about on air. And then Letterman or Leno or Conan or whatever will uh, like kind of
0: Lily Singh.
1: Yeah, Lily Singh of Toronto. There you go.
0: I've actually never seen one of her neither episodes.
1: have i neither have i i feel like i should check it out because it's a pretty big deal that there's a besides chelsea handler from a while ago
0: uh, yeah i mean I, I don't know if that counts that's just a drunk lady yelling at the tv <laughs> like <laughs>
1: ouch it's
0: just a drunk lady getting yeah. wild i don't know so funny i mean i i totally enjoy it
1: do you you can say you don't
0: i think i do like her show when i see clips yeah I'm always pretty entertained. She's hilarious. I think she's funny. But I'm not sure if talk... Well, she's talking, so I guess technically...
1: Yeah, she kind of existed in a different... I don't know if this is going to be interesting to your listeners. I just love talking about late-night talk shows. Uh, She was on a kind of different format because she was on the E! Network, so the standards were different. And they kind of want you to talk about gossip and wild things and like, getting drunk with your friends and... It being kind of this glossy style Mm. of interviewing, you know? Yeah. But uh, I frequently go on YouTube and look at old interviews from Letterman or Dick Cavett or like anywhere, even Jay Leno. uh, and find find the interviews where people just the the, those viral interviews now now they're viral even though they were interviews from like the 90s -hmm. like Julia Roberts and David Letterman had an amazing chemistry and they have such beautiful interviews Mm -hmm. because they're kind of flirting or they're kind of like there's this really nice kind of rapport and then Norm Macdonald who's an amazing comedian those are always amazing psychopath yeah yeah I think he's a bad psychopath, though. I think he feels a little too much. Yeah. He's a little too feeling.
0: Uh, he, he keeps posting pictures of himself on Instagram wearing Winnipeg Jets gear.
1: Oh. So he's like
0: winning me over. Yeah. I mean, not that he wasn't before, but yeah. now I'm, total, I'm on Team Norm.
1: I love him. Even when he made those faux pas, you know, and he went on his apology tour. You didn't hear about this? Sorry, that got loud. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? So Norm um, made some comments about cancel culture oh, in the in yeah, yeah. the throes of right. of people just being canceled, like right. I just said. Uh, he went on the Howard Stern show to apologize about what he said about Louis C.K. and Roseanne because what he said, for people that don't know, I'm like I don't know verbatim, but. He said that the Louis C.K. and Roseanne were canceled and they're suffering a lot and we shouldn't drag them through the mud. And I think the way it was presented was as if he had no sympathy for the victims. And uh, of course he did. He, he said, of course they have it worse off than these millionaires. I'm just saying that we're all human. And, and then on the Howard Stern show,
0: Yeah. I say some wild shit. Yeah. I say some totally wild shit that I cut out of these podcasts all the time. (laughs) But also the thing with Roseanne is like she is, uh, she's a mess. Like she's had brain damage. (sighs) Yeah. From a car accident when she was a kid. Yeah. She's on all these different mood altering drugs. Like she's kind of also one of the people that all of these people that are the internet likes to fight for things yeah and she could very easily she's she's also many of the things that people on the internet are fighting for you know like and a couple crazy comments from a person who will tell you that she's crazy yeah and suddenly we're like She's off the TV.
1: Yeah, you know. it's insane to they me. They killed
0: her off of a television show. They did.
1: Her own television show. Yeah. Like she created Roseanne. Yeah. And she was high on Ambien. Mm. Um, I'm not, I don't know, okay, if anyone gets mad at me, I'm not excusing. Like I know it's terrible language. What she said about Valerie Jarrett is terrible. Uh, but she is a self-admitted crazy person, yeah. as she would say in those words. High on Ambien um is bipolar yeah and has had brain damage from a car accident she had when she was a kid you know so if we can't forgive people like that i, I don't know i don't know i mean Who knows i just think that we got to be super careful about this whole thing you know like she's not inciting violence and yes, it's hate speech. I don't agree with hate speech, but like this idea that she's harmful, that she could I don't know.
0: Yeah. Did you see her on Rogan?
1: Yeah. Did you? You yeah. must have.
0: I mean not re- not the recent one. I saw the
1: The last one I watched the, the recent one.
0: one. I've not seen the recent one.
1: She's wild. <laughs>
0: she's yeah, a I can wild imagine. woman.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like I do not agree with her politically. I think some of the stuff she says I do not agree with. I think it's crazy uh but isn't that kind of cool that I can listen to someone who I don't agree with
0: that's why the Rogan podcast yeah. is so great
1: yeah I want to listen to those people I'm interested I'm not gonna just yeah. I'm tr- I'm actively trying to listen to people that I don't agree with I've I've, I've noticed that recently yeah. some I'm of just...
0: the best ones are with uh
1: like Ben Shapiro or something that's the one yeah, yeah. it's yeah. great yeah. It's
0: like incredible, it's like an incredible civil discussion, for the most part, civil yeah. discussion about, like, people who believe different things. It's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's such an interesting conversation about what's appropriate, what's not, what can't be talked about. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, you know what it is, though, like, maybe it's a privilege that it's it's easy for me to hear these different views. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe I wouldn't be able to have a civil conversation with someone who hated brown women, right? Like, I probably would be like, I don't want to listen to what this guy has to say because it affects me so personally. So because, maybe because this thing with Roseanne and all these other cancel culture things, because they haven't affected me personally, it's easy for me to listen to the other side. I don't know. There's so many angles to this.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's yeah so like also like on that note as a white man it's probably the easiest for me to listen to all these songs. <laughs> <signs>, you know
1: <laughs> probably
0: preachy white man just wanted everyone to get their opinion out yeah you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah i love i mean i love listening to podcasts i love listening to podcasts late night talk shows even the recent ones I, I still I still watch them even if I don't like them I have I obsessively watch them.
0: Uh my parents have Bell Five TV.
1: Ah.
0: And now I can sign in on anything and just watch whatever I want. So
1: <gasps> What a gift. Yeah. What a gift.
0: As if Netflix wasn't enough.
1: No, we have to have it all after Netflix.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the problem is like with Jets games. So now I can watch the Jets like anywhere
1: i remember you talking about the winnipeg jets to somebody it might have been me or it might have been on your pod or it might have been our grilleth interview i remember you saying when we were talking about music the two things that make you truly happy like the two communities and one was the music community and the other was the winnipeg jets right that's a big deal that you would put those two yeah or hold those two to such high esteem.
0: Yeah, it's important. And I'm a psychopath.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, no, you said you were a sociopath. I, rem- I remember yeah. very clearly that you said you might be a sociopath.
0: I think I'm, I'm. Uh, the sociopath phase was just a phase.
1: That's lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like we've been, things have been much better since the Jets came back.
1: Mm. So it kind of curved your tendencies. Why do you like them so much? Uh,
0: Well, when I was young, like (laughs) probably from when I was three to six, it was like the only thing I cared about. Mm. And then they moved to Arizona on me. Did that hurt? Oh, yeah. So the same year I moved to Ontario and the Jets moved to Arizona quite a catastrophe
1: wow yeah it's traumatic
0: no kidding
1: i'm not yeah. i'm not even yeah i'm not even kidding that's actually two very like foundational things
0: yeah and so all these years that i would just like because there was always rumblings of like we're gonna get a team back winnipeg's mm-hmm. getting a team back it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and like 20 years later we get a talkie team back yeah and i'm just kind of like okay six-year-old mike would have to be at these games you know what I'm saying like it's like it's just uh there's a responsibility that I feel honestly
1: that's beautiful
0: or psycho but thank you for seeing (laughs) that side of it
1: I think it's so beautiful I do this is kind of um a responsibility to a community that Gave so much to you, so you feel like you need to give back yeah That's and like lovely. I have to
0: I have to buy like jerseys and shirts, because <laughs> we learned this before the team wasn't making enough money, so they had to move somewhere else, you know like
1: ah, oh, so you're like we need to yeah we need to keep it alive, keep yeah. the dream alive oh, it's gorgeous it is
0: it's beautiful. One of my good friends shout out stephen onaterra samurai gu- samurai guitarist <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, he's a couple years older than me, so he was old enough to, when the Jets were probably moving, he was old enough to take his allowance down to the donation, the Save the Jets donation. <gasps> so it's like a, it's a whole thing. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's heavy. I'm so impressed at at the benevolence. Like, that's so great. I don't know that many how old wait how old was he when he did this
0: uh well the Jets left when I was six and I think he's like three years older than me maybe wow. so somewhere so between he was like in single digits and a, yeah
1: and felt the need to give yeah that's pretty heavy
0: yeah but also where were his parents
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 yeah what did they have to say about it
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
1: I wish I had some kind of allegiance to a a sports team, but I don't have any. None. I I never grew up loving sports that much. Mm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I honestly don't know if you're missing much.
1: You You don't think? When I see it from the outside, I'm, I, often think I am missing something because look at all of these people and look at me like the Raptors, when the Raptors started gaining momentum and when they won, I felt maybe the beginnings of some kind of fervor like, Oh, Mm -hmm. is this, this is the thing that people feel, you know? And that's like the easiest bandwagon to get on a team that is winning. Totally. In your hometown, you know? And I watch a lot of 30 for 30 documentaries Mm Mm-hmm. For someone who doesn't like sports, I love documentaries about sports. Yeah. But uh, something that I notice is like this undying devotion, people that, like people that can't even throw a ball. Diehards. Or are just so invested in these people's lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's something that you're like, I feel like you have to be born into it to like truly. Yeah, like a religion. Truly have a connection with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Have you seen the Dennis Rodman thirty for thirty?
1: I haven't. I'm Is trying it to. I
0: know I'm trying to find it, and it's like it's one of the few that's not on somewhere for me to find it. Maybe in time. Maybe it's too new. I don't know.
1: I should. Okay, so these are the ones that had a profound effect on me. You don't know Bo, Bo Jackson, mm-hmm. who played for, or he played um, football and baseball. And baseball. And had like kind of a mythical yeah kind of persona, and then the one about Alan Iverson, no crossover great, great movie,
0: mhm-hmm um, I'm not sure if I've seen one I haven't enjoyed,
1: yeah, they're great, yeah the reggie the Reggie Miller one
0: I don't know if I've seen that
1: that one's really great. they are just talking about the sports documentary, yeah. <laughs> I'm like Mark and Eric. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Uh I'm so I've I've seen a few Dennis Rodman interviews lately. Oh yeah. And I'm like I I'm I think I'm I don't, I I want to wear a Dennis Rodman jersey around
1: now. I wonder what people would say.
0: I just feel like he's such a like he was viral before there was viral stuff.
1: For sure. And
0: he was also so pro everything. Yeah. Just open mind before. I'll say this on record. The the left is crazy. You know? Yeah. The yeah. left can get crazy. And I totally. feel like he was a left crazy.
1: Radical. The radical left. He was left. a
0: radical left before we were even knew what that was.
1: I used to watch him on The Celebrity Apprentice. Back when Donald Trump was had that show. Uh and I and I just thought that was hilarious watching him on that show. Was hilarious. He did not, like, belong. <laughs> he wasn't trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> he was just trying to make money and get, like, <laughs> get the spotlight on him and just share his brand of tune to the world.
0: Crazy person.
1: I, I used to watch The Bulls with my brother. So I guess I did watch some sports, but all because of my brother. He actually knows about sports. I watch him, on, and I would just think he was so brazen. It's like, how, how dare he? Because, like, the Bulls are such a... I, there was something about that that seemed like Royal, you know, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and Scottie Pippen. And in my mind, I'm like, how dare he sully the name of the Bulls?
0: We were, we got so derailed here, which is good. Yeah, this we is were, quite the
1: conversation.
0: We we're talking about uh,
1: Dennis Rodman.
0: First, though, before TV, Dennis, TV shows. Oh, what do you think makes a good
1: guest? Wow, <laughs> that That's, was quite the digression. Yeah. Um, what makes a good guest? This is my fault, too, because I really digress. I, I've just like turned into a story about late night television. But people that tell usually have a story to tell, but are movable. So there is actually something they want to talk about. Um, but there it can roll with the punches.
0: Mm. Um, Do you feel like some people maybe come on your podcast with
1: like maybe trying to trying to manufacture,
0: choose my words in a way that doesn't make this sound like a bad thing. Like, like
1: representing themselves in a really specific way. Yeah, like an with agenda, an, Yeah. With
0: an agenda, which can be fine. Like, I don't want to say it like, you know what I'm saying?
1: I have, s- you know what? And I'm not even just being diplomatic like no no one has come on that way or or if they have they fooled me. I like it when people have things to say. I have I have a respect for that because I think a lot of like people that I watch on late night television that are comedians are great. Mm-hmm. And they come in with prepared things. It's not just like I'm riffing. I used to think it was riffing, but no, they like think for hours, days, years about the things they want to say and carefully put it together and think of bits and think of stories. And, and I mean, maybe some of it is totally freewheeling, mm-hmm. but I actually have quite a bit of respect for people that take that time. Like take that part of it really seriously, you know, like, and I mean, and but that's different than like interviewing a musician. Cause a comedian like is, their goal is to make you laugh. Yeah. You know, and a musician, I guess it's your goal is to portray yourself as a, as the musician that you want to be, you know, the artist you want to be. And so far, everyone has done that. Like, I don't think anyone has been closed minded. You know, I've definitely met musicians like that. I've seen them out in the world and they are tricky people yes. because they look at you and they're talking and you realize that you could be a tree.
0: yeah it sucks when you yeah you know you meet someone who you're like you can tell right away when someone is like a poser or something or like a a fake or whatever completely yeah dark
1: i mean dark days yeah it is dark because
0: but also it's not because it makes the rest of the people
1: light stand out (laughs) you know like I think in those moments I get dark. I think I get dark when, when I meet those people and they're successful. Because then there's a part of me that oh, yeah. thinks, That's, "Yeah, is this part of it? <laughs> like, do I need to kind of shut off this part to get to, you know, more success in my life? I don't know. And then you think, is it worth it? Most likely not. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know those people are tricky to talk to <laughs> yeah.
0: there's another yeah what we won't go down that road today. what oh Not my fair. god
1: is it gonna get juicy no gossip girl
0: no juice no gossip mm. keeping it clean are you uh question maybe we can maybe we have to cut this out or i don't know what, what uh, are you submitting to the Junos? Whatever.
1: I no one knows. No. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever feel that pressure? Because to I've... changed s- my name? Well, that kind of to change, uh, you know?
0: No. I feel pressure to slam my heels into the ground and not change and mm. like aggressively... change in the opposite direction yeah which is problematic on so many levels but at least i'm having a good time yeah is what i like to you can live by it tell people (laughs) (laughs) so this is part of the discussion like um generally uh i would not really submit to the junos like i don't know if it's something that i care about yeah that much but like specifically this time i made a record for 20 something dollars in my mom's bathroom yeah so i just feel like with the roll of the dice if there's a chance of me maybe doing something yeah i think that that's uh a badass element at play yeah so that's why i'm kind of itching to submit this year if the cards were to fall in my favor and like an alternate universe or something
1: yeah roll them
0: yeah yeah i don't know but also you're probably going to get all of the nominations for all of the things that you i don't submit think so for. man
1: i don't know i don't know i don't know what people make of it
0: uh solo vocal jazz do you have any instrumental tracks on the record we have
1: one instrumental track
0: put it in instrumental jazz record, like
1: <laughs> i think um, i only qualify i don't qualify for ensemble jazz record if there's a certain don't. amount of singing on it doesn't qualify as instrumental or solo jazz doesn't sort of have to be in vocal jazz yeah
0: i mean that's a rule that i fully support <laughs> but it's sh- it sucks yeah for you yeah, you know? because there's
1: a tradition of vocal jazz that I don't yeah. totally belong to. So then people make assumptions about what the music is, and it's not. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know.
0: But like the other way of seeing it is like keep those losers out of my category. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. I just you know this whole like what is jazz thing is incredibly frustrating to me. Like I'm like this is such a big. I remember this conversation happened at when I was attending as a sweet undergrad and there's always some person that puts up their hand and is like, but is that jazz? Like someone who's performing that may be kind of outside the tradition. And to me, I think it's incredibly insulting to the art form of jazz when people do that because it's like, I think when people think of jazz, they think of jazz when it was most popular, do you know what I mean? So, what when would that be? Like the four, fifth, what few decades, fifties, when it was popular?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would.
1: I'm not a jazz historian. I
0: would say. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it was. I would say it's. It was popular from like the 1920s through yeah. to the mid 60s, maybe.
1: Yeah, like very popular. Yeah. And so. When people think of jazz, they think it can only withstand a few decades. like that's ridiculous to me. whereas like other art forms can can exist on this continuum, right like pop music, classical music mm-hmm. you know I'm um, um, yeah, like jazz is allowed to evolve in the same way that the other art forms are allowed to evolve. you know, like jazz can withstand evolution and rejuvenation in the mm-hmm. same yeah like like classical music count like the baroque period the romantic period you know yeah like modern uh new music like it's been through so many iterations and I guess when people think of classical music they're like well Mozart right because Mozart was yeah. incredibly popular
0: uh yeah he, uh, he wrote on a whatever nothing. That's a sidestep that we don't need to go down. Uh, yeah, th- this is—it's uh, like the only art form that like gets clicks because of how we debate the way that it exists. Yeah. Like, I—I I would say that people people talking about jazz probably gets more internet traffic than jazz
1: yeah i wholeheartedly agree
0: i don't know i don't know what that means and i don't yeah whatever
1: because because people are interested in in it in in some odd way like this question comes up a lot yeah you know especially with people in post-secondary institutions learning about jazz yes you know what i mean (laughs)
0: I do know what you mean. It's like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I even, I'm not even allowed to have an opinion, I don't think. I think that's where we're at with it. Totally. If you think you have an opinion about what jazz is, you're probably wrong.
1: Yeah, maybe we should just be happy to be wrong. Like, I think we need to, like decide what it is for us and then have someone say we're dumb and be like, okay. Yeah. Like, that, I think that's like what, what it has come to now, which I'm actually completely fine with. Like, if someone says jazz is only in the 1950s, like that's all all like the real real jazz or was only, or, you know, in 1920s when Irving Berlin was like sketching his first, Tune for the follies, you know, <laughs> or yeah. and uh, and someone can say, like, that's dumb. No, 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 like, jazz is way over here. I think that's a cool thing, actually.
0: Yeah, it,
1: like, I just think it can exist in so many forms personally, mm-hmm. and someone's gonna say, I'm dumb, a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think there are a couple things though, like. I think if we are somehow, if we're somehow ignoring Black American music and like slavery, I would say yeah. that that is not.
1: That's a very strong. That's point. a strong no. Yeah. How do you? Okay, okay. This is great. This conversation is so interesting to me. I love it. I agree with you that there needs to be an acknowledgement there explicitly or implicitly <laughs> how do you feel as someone who's not black participating in this art forum like when you got into jazz did, did you think about it or did you think about it after the fact
0: i think i i don't want to Dumb shit down, but at first, I think I was always conscious of it because there's a ornette. So my my basically my intro to jazz and improvised music was Ornette Coleman. Yeah, and there was a record, there is a record called "This Is Our Music," Mm. and it's the band is on the front. It's all of their faces. Yeah, and Charlie Hayden being on the cover of that and making such crazy music with a band of the rest, the rest of the members are black. Yeah. The first connection I made with that was like, "Wow, Charlie must have been really good at this." Yeah. So like, immediately there was like a, an awareness of like the race element of the music, even if it was on that mm-hmm. much of a like. Uh, that's maybe about as surface level as race and jazz can get just like me seeing a band and noticing there's a white guy in the band
1: yeah and being like wow that white guy must be able to hang yeah yeah there's a lot that can be mined from that
0: uh and then as i so like basically at first like me like me looking back at my early what my the early years of my jazz education education Looking back at that, I think like, okay, I did this wrong. Mm. So it's like unlearning things is part of uh, acknowledging the spirit of black American music, I think. Yeah. And I don't know. What was the question? Like, how do I? What well, is there
1: ask? any guilt maybe? Do you feel any guilt? Uh, I've, I've run into that a lot uh, with white men that i play feel
0: chess. a lot of guilt when i feel like i'm not doing it right yeah so if i'm in like i can so easily get in a situation where it's like okay none of us are acknowledging what none of us are we're, like we're standing here in a room reading real book charts yeah and we all sound like a bunch of loot like yeah we're just doing chord scale relationships because that's what the white man at school told us to do you know
1: do you think there's a way to do it right at this point which part like learning jazz playing it authentically
0: i i think the way to like it's just like tradition and like focusing on something Mm. and uh like, it's it's so hard, and it's such a slippery slope with all of the great white bands that have existed, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So there's a bit of a... There's a fogginess there for me that I'm not sure where I stand with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like... I think finding music... Finding part of the tradition that you believe in, and you are, like, just, like, willing to in like in literal terms or in figurative terms, just fight for Yeah, is like how we're supposed to carry on the tradition. Yeah. So like.
1: That's like the best answer for this I've heard, by the way. That is great.
0: So there's a line, like, I'm not saying like. It could be as simple as transcribing some Kenny G solos (laughs) and like going to bat for your Kenny G sound yeah that might be a little far over the line but like it it could be as simple as that maybe yeah well another what's another example of that like I don't know but there's also like such it's it can get so foggy Mm mm-hmm like the uh what are those guys that wore tuxedos and did like the classical jazz mashup things oh uh who's this percy heath was in the band oh
1: um modern jazz quartet,
0: modern jazz quartet that's there the we one. go
1: chris do you want to hang it's gonna be the chris Pruden portion of this yeah. uh,
2: <laughs> do you guys need another white guy for this conversation <laughs>
1: This is where yeah. the bass would come in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a back throwback to the modern jazz quintet. There's like a famous Miles story about he or he's he's like talking to one of the Heath brothers, mm. and uh, the, it comes up that Percy Heath. So he's talking to one of the Heath brothers that isn't Perth- Percy. Uh-huh. And uh, it comes up that Percy's playing with the modern jazz quartet. And then, like, the famous Miles quote is, like, can he still play, though? <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like, almost implying that it's, like, yeah, not real enough or something. Totally, So, yeah. like, who fucking knows? Like, I don't know. Whatever.
1: You should ask this question to Chris, actually. Do you feel any guilt? Or I guess I asked the question. Do you feel any or do you have any feelings about participating in an art form that was created by African-Americans?
2: It's a, it's a good question. <laughs> I, don't, I, I guess I d- do feel a bit of guilt, but I maybe it's, it's hard to feel in Canada. You know what I mean, Like, also, my entry point into jazz was through, like, a contemporary music school in Edmonton. And I I don't even think I, like, was really listening to Charlie Parker or, like, the lineage. I guess I was really into Oscar Peterson, but it, it didn't really... Like, I went this weird kind of backwards route into jazz, where I liked jazz fusion a lot first. And then later on, I got into it. Um see i don't know to answer that question i guess for me it's um how deep can i i guess i guess pay tribute to it and respect that tradition and uh and put as much work as i can into finding out where it's coming from before moving it forward Mm -hmm. it's my way of dealing with it here um i don't know that's all I'd say right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: scary question, though. It's it scary. a super sick, it scary makes question. Me yeah, but. yeah. I think it's such an interesting conversation. I I feel like there's no good way to do it. Like I don't think there's any way to make it as authentic as you can. Like you can try. I think the the key is trying, or like it, like exactly what you said, like paying respect and acknowledgement. Because I think also if you try, if you're if your aim is to recreate something that someone who's black has created like it's impossible like you can't have their experience but you can respect it and acknowledge it you know like you're never mm-hmm. the the fact is no one's gonna get there you know who's white i guess and accepting that i think is a part of it
0: <laughs> totally there's a I also have like a very low tolerance for feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there are a lot of scenarios with music where like I'm in a situation where it's like I'm playing with a band and it's like, okay, this, this isn't good. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. But in the jazz world, if it's like, and when I say this isn't good, I don't like this. It feels like it's not sincere or it's not, uh, feels like phony or something. Yeah. And then in the jazz world, it's like a more immediate, like, but oh, this is gross. I'm not doing this. Mm. It's like a, there's like a, there's a hard line of like, no, I'm just not yeah. going to participate. Yeah. And I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I opened this can of worms. It's
0: a great can of worms. Well, it's a, thank you for opening it. <laughs> it's good <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for once again taking the interview lead on this podcast because we need we need some direction over here at knockout ginger how's
1: it going by the way this interview this one yeah great yeah yeah i'm glad this is a good conversation it's a conver- great conversation off mic too like i think yeah. i would have this conversation with you minus a microphone I know. It's weird. It's weird coming into the jazz world for me because I'm a brown woman. Like, it's, I don't know. I,
0: so do you feel...
1: Any guilt? What did you
0: ask? If we felt guilt or how we do navigate? I, <sighs> whatever you asked us. Do I feel it? <laughs> do you feel I it? I bet or you how not you, as much. Yeah. Or how do you, how do like, you navigate? Like, I know
1: I'm not black. Sometimes there's this weird thing that happens where people conflate cultures. Brown, black, you know, both. We're not the same culture, but there's certain things that connect us. Certain things that maybe we intersect that where we intersect. Uh, I feel it, but yeah, definitely not as much. Maybe because there's certain times where I feel oppressed. (laughs) Like I feel oppressed quite often. And and I don't say that with any anger, I just say it with with earnestness, like, you know, uh, there are many things I'm thinking about, you know, many times where I feel like I don't belong. And yeah, I know that sounds sad, but it's just true, like, I don't see anyone that looks like me playing jazz, so then why would I feel like I belong, you know, so... It's scary to have superficial assumptions made about you. Like, I don't... I feel like I may maybe have talked about representation or something on Gryllith Fair. Most likely I have. But I don't have... It, there are no complex representations of me out there. You know? So... What do you... Well, uh, like, white people have been represented in every angle. Every angle. So like when people think of what did i say oh i think we were talking about like the the Justin Trudeau brown face black face kind of controversy and and a lot of people were talking about how oh it was just a halloween costume and oh it was just a costume like he was just dressed as Aladdin or when whenever he was dressed up as someone who was black i i don't know um but It's dangerous to dress up like another culture because people just get into the practice of thinking that's what that culture is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So like when someone sees Aladdin, they're like, look at that brown Disney character. Not look at that Disney character.
2: I have something to say. Say it. (laughs) No, I was just talking with another musician. Another white musician. I know a few. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh...
0: What have you been listening to lately?
1: You know, I had to make a playlist for somebody. For a radio station, I think, and and uh it was kind of all over the map Nat, we listened to that today Nat, they were nominated for polaris prize they're a francophone group i think matt fong introduced us to them and they're awesome so good sounds distinctly french they sound like frenchmen making wacky music (laughs) Uh, okay, let me name some of my favorite acts that are happening right now. A lot of them are from Toronto. So shout out to Fetnat. They're not from Toronto. Shout out to Future Machines. Woo, actually. I love Future Machines. I actually listen to that record all the time. They're AP. And uh, Chris is in it. Matt Fong is in it. Lorenzo Costelli and Mackenzie Longprey. But I guess Mac is not on that record. It's and it's self-titled, right? Future Machines.
0: It'd be super cool to hear a double drum version of super of Future <sighs> so Machines one day. So good.
1: I think it yeah, I think it's at like kind of the um in terms of like Toronto, young Toronto musicians, I think it's kind of like one of the most fun, highest level playing and writing. Mhm. And I say honestly, and I know I'm clearly biased, but uh, I like every time I go to that show, I think it's amazing.
0: It's wild shit.
1: Yeah. So future machines. Uh, What did
0: you? What did you? What did you just say? Uh, Young Toronto. Young Toronto. Young Toronto. Young Toronto. Hashtag Young Toronto.
1: Hey, wasn't it you that said that this is kind of like this golden golden age of Toronto musicians
0: I said it and I believe it but uh
1: Bill Smith Bill maybe Smith said. Smith
0: brought it to my attention
2: That this is the golden age
0: yeah
1: wow it's, I agree though I feel like most of the people that I'm inspired by are my friends and peers like yeah. I'm going to their shows yep
0: we're gonna I think I mean hopefully it's not a hopefully there's not a drop-off but I've I really think that like years down the road, we're going (laughs) to (laughs) be, I really think that years down the road, we're kind of going to be thinking like, wow, all of these people were here at the same time. Yeah. I think like, I think a lot of people, a lot of young people have like really long, unique careers ahead of them.
1: I believe that. I think most of my friends are extraordinary artists I'm always impressed by them mm-hmm. and I love that I'm kind of a part of this community like everyone in my band is incredible they're all doing such crazy good work and they impress me all the time like separate from my stuff and a lot of really amazing um young women in the scene too that's really inspiring to me emily steinwall who's been on your pod
0: yeah holy ninja
1: uh ninja chen there's a lot of yeah like there's a lot of special people in this community and it's look and the community is looking like I don't know, I don't, I, I, it's like looking diverse, but it kind of is, I'm starting to see different kinds of people in the, in this community that are doing great things. Um, I loved Charlotte Cornfield when her record came out. I was pretty wild about it. I, I love, um, shout out to Rachel Cardiello. Because she's a friend of mine. Chris plays in her band. But she's a record coming out I think awesome. And she has some singles out. And of course, <laughs> Mike DeCont, who has played with the great Zinnia, led by Rachel Cardiello. I love her record. And I love Rachel. Mm. I think she's really special.
0: Yes, I'm not on the record. I'm but he a, has played. Yes. Delightful music. Yeah. I played in that band with Charlotte. Yeah. Cornfield.
1: Wow. Actually, yeah. Weird connections yeah. being made. That's. Yeah. I'm uh, listening to that. And. uh.
0: Another hijack. Sorry. No, taking do it, it, it down this shit spiral. Uh, Rachel's doing that thing with the dancers for her release show. Oh, yeah. And I want her so bad to have the three dudes in the band. So like James, Chris, and Connor do a dance Aww. to one of the songs. I think that would be so awesome. As like the grand finale, like
1: You know who's well, a like, great, great dancer? Chris Pruden.
0: Yeah. One of the songs it's like not on the record or something, <laughs> just like a or like dance to like <gasps> I mentioned it when we were eating Poutine that night and it got shut down pretty quickly kind of but By who? By Rachel? Kind of like everyone at the table but uh i'm just gonna we're putting it on the record that i think it should happen
1: oh man chris you'd be so good chris is such a good dancer like good in that he like dances in a way no one else does yeah (laughs) like no one dances like him he like doesn't move his hips he has like really straight harsh arms that he kind of waves around slightly ahead of the beat Never, never down the middle or behind, ahead, just like the way he plays the piano. <laughs> yeah. great. great dancer. But yeah, those are the things I'm, I actually list, I listen to my friends a lot. Like, I'm, I check out people, like, big, big records too, I guess, like out in the, out in the world. But, uh, I'm pretty into checking out people that, I see. Every day, you know, there's a few mm-hmm. people I want to hear records from. You know, who I want to hear a record from is Lewin. Lewin Fung. I want to hear that record. I feel Does like that he record. Have a record that's no just hypothetical. He record. should though. I hope he hears this. He should have a record. He's so good. He's such an incredible writer, and he has like some amazing energy about him.
0: Yeah, I really. Would like to play with him someday. I've been, so there's been a couple sessions, hypothetical sessions that have fallen apart Mm -hmm. that mutual friends have tried to set up with him and me and they've never worked out. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe that's a sign. Yeah. Maybe that means don't.
1: No, no, you got to find a way to him because he's so sweet. He's a cool person and a really talented artist. Who are you listening to, Chris?
2: Um, oh my God, I'm so unprepared.
1: Chance the Rapper? I've been listening to that record.
2: Oh yeah, you got me into that Chance, the new Chance record. Oh no, you got me into the singles he released. In are the car. Those, signal- those signals? Those aren't the new record. They aren't or
0: they, they aren't? They aren't, no. right.
2: But then I checked out the new record option, which I like. I don't yeah. like, I'm not like crazy with the whole thing, but I there's some great moments. I haven't mm-hmm. heard it yet. I I have heard from friends that it's a bit of a slip. But. I, yeah, it doesn't feel like the most cohesive. Or like I was working out to it today and there's just like a lot of slow songs. And I just like, I had to like skip like three in a row. I was like, I just can't, I can't move to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, they sounded good, but it's kind of long too. It's like over 20 tracks. Jeez.
1: That's like harkens back to like the 90s. Yeah. With like Bustin Rhymes and Missy Elliott putting out like many, 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 many tracks.
2: Yeah. It hasn't hit me the same as like coloring book. When I heard that I like couldn't stop listening to it.
0: Yeah. That's like some of the most uh that could be like maybe the most like positive good vibe record that I know. Like inspiring.
1: Yeah, I remember when that record came out. It felt so open. And I think maybe harmonically, and not to make it about like theory or anything like that, but just there was nothing kind of smooth and um, like it wasn't like a Neo Soul record. Like it wasn't this kind of confluence of jazz and R&B and rap. It was like a open, warm, happy. I hadn't heard anything like that mm-hmm. from that world. And I, I was refreshed by it completely.
0: What's it like teaching a year?
1: Um, I'm taking over for Chase while he's on sabbatical. So I'm teaching there for a year. And, uh, so far I've loved it, loved it. And I remember when I got the offer, I had really uh, strange feelings about it because I'm trained in jazz as like a trumpet player and a vocalist, but the music that I play does not firmly live within the jazz tradition and the music that I've been working on and the music I play with my friends is not so like, I'm not playing a ton of straight ahead jazz gigs these days in the way that I used to when I was in school. So I felt really conflicted about it. Like I was excited and of course I was gonna take that opportunity, but I had to like reevaluate what I could bring to the table and learn how to value that. Because at first I was like, oh man, like I need to get all my old shit together. All this old jazz vocabulary that was like lying in the corner, dusty, you know, Mm -hmm. like playing the trumpet is one thing, but the vocabulary of jazz like is another thing. So kind of getting back into that and learning about, um, learning about myself and taking a look at myself and being like, okay, well, I actually have like quite a bit to offer and accepting that gleefully (laughs) instead of trying to like manipulate my myself so much to fit within like this jazz tradition. Cause I I think like if I was trying to do that, it would be a complete failure. Cause I'd be like betraying all the things that I've become. Like I, I want to be able to teach my students about the things that I am, have learned and I'm good at, as well as the jazz tradition. you yeah. know. And uh, I think I have like rediscovered how much I actually do care about jazz, <laughs> like quite a bit. I s- love listening to it. I love listening to people play it. I love playing it, even if I'm not paid to do those gigs in the way I was used to. <laughs> I think it's like extraordinary music. It's like almost like I'm becoming a student again, actually. Cause I have, to, I, I wanna like make sure I'm teaching them real shit. So I like go over my notes and go over stuff that I did in undergrad. And I am constantly surprised at how beautiful <laughs> jazz is. Even the most simple things like mm-hmm. because my students are in first year and second year. So I'm I'm doing some basic fundamentals and trying to go to like some seminal recordings of trumpet players. And even just going back to miles kind of blue. And I remember just putting on the record while I was kind of making notes and stuff. And I was like, this is like one of the greatest things I've ever listened to in my life, in my life. And to uh, like, I felt that way years ago and then I forgot about it. And then I re- Remembered that feeling of thinking like this is like and no one has ever like actually like as I talk about it now I'm getting oddly emotional I'm like it's fucking beautiful it's like this like miles is teaching us how to like sing you know and strip away all these other things that make us feel like technicians and just um, try to directly connect to people in this way, not through like entertaining people, but just through simplicity and intention. And I like, so I so understand that now in a way that maybe I didn't before, like when I first, heard it in jazz school i mean i'd heard it before but i remember jim asked me to lift some milestones and the first thing i thought was like these are really easy i want to play clifford brown joy spring you know and uh and jim lewis great trumpet player one of the greatest was like no you really have to listen to these they're important they'll teach you a lot and so I think that's all he said. He didn't really talk about why. And I like get it now. I get it. And it's like a one in a million thing. Like I don't think anyone, I don't know many people that can get that close to something so perfect. <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like, I don't want to call it perfect. Perfect is a not, it's not something you should throw around, but it's just so incredible.
0: It's like perfect snapshot of, like time and also opening up like making room for the future or something like it's just like a that's
1: a beautiful that's a great way to describe it yeah talking about some of these recordings that I really started to get into in university get me really emotional that one I have there was one class in second year that Jim taught it was just like a theory class and it was the Coltrane class so the whole class was about Coltrane but instead of just teaching about like how to play the changes and talk about the theoretical elements of it he played important Coltrane recordings for us just and he wouldn't interrupt and talk about them he played full recordings so like six minutes seven minutes ten minutes whatever uninterrupted and there are a few times I like this sounds so lame but like I I remember listening to like his version of body and soul on Coltrane sound. And I cried. (laughs) I thought it was like so like even now, again, I'm like, it was so beautiful. And the way it ends is so beautiful. And it was just so evocative. Like I wasn't thinking about how it was a feat of, again technicality or, or changing the tradition I wasn't thinking about it. I just thought it sounded so it made me feel so much and uh jazz does that to me all the time you know and to be a part of inspiring younger players to somehow be like some kind of messenger to be like look at how like amazing this music is yeah like it's so amazing to just be a participant in that is like an incredible privilege that i take very seriously so i love i love it it's a very long answer
0: great answer (laughs)
1: final thoughts Chris Fruden
2: yeah we done (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: just before we go uh